0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Unstuck Movement. This platform, this podcast was created for you to break those chains that have been holding you back in your life. So I'd love to bring people on the podcast who have great stories of breakthrough, who have done amazing things in their life, and take those stories and help them to help you get through places that you've been stuck at in your life. Today's a really interesting episode talking about going from the big city to the small town and How to integrate those two worlds together, which I think is a really fascinating, incredible story to tell. I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. First of all, Ama, the Author Millionaire Academy, the CLA, the Connected Leaders Academy, and Unleash You Now. If you want to know more about those sponsors, make sure you check out their links in the bio. Now, today on the podcast, we have the amazing Derek Poulet with us. Derek is part owner with his wife of the Cake Shop by Tati in Pleasant Gap, Pennsylvania, right outside of State college pennsylvania which is also penn state university okay so derek is classically trained in fine dining working he worked for john george's in manhattan a top-tier restaurant in new york he took his skills from the big city in new york and brought them to state college pennsylvania Derek not only takes care of croissants at the bakery, but hosts private chef events and pop-up dinners. Derek, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being a part of the Unstuck Movement.
1: It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome, man. So cool to have you here. I can't wait to hear your story and have you tell your story. And you know, I love to start these episodes off with a question. I love questions because the better the question you ask, the better answers you get in life and the more clarity you get. So I'd like to start this off with a question for you. How do you take and how have you taken that big city mindset of working in New York City for one of the top restaurants in New York City and made that work in State College, Pennsylvania, small town availability, taking something that's so big and breaking it down to a smaller town? How were you able to do that and and how was that unstuck journey for you of figuring that out?
1: So really what makes New York City so special is 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 the abundance of literally everything and anything. Um you can go any any anywhere in the city find whatever whatever you're looking for at any hour of the day. Um so the the, the biggest challenge when coming back to state college is dealing with the unavailability of the majority of the products and finding it difficult to find certain products even when when they're in season. Um so Kind of what I did to circumvent that was build connections with individuals in the area who have access to those ingredients or become friends with those who can experiment with them or grow them or whatnot. So I've been able to source different seeds and plants and have farmers grow them for me uh, or speak and work with a uh, distributor who makes trips to New York City on a regular basis in order to bring products back for me. Um, and just kind of being able to slow down, which is nice for one, but two, kind of take some getting get, get used to them. after living in New York City for six years, um, whenever I moved back, my mindset was just go, 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 go work for 12 hours a day to 14 hours a day, come home, sleep and do, what, do it all over again. And it wasn't until recently where I realized that's not so, so sustainable and it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm glad I discovered that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man, that's a really interesting part of this that I think everybody can take away from. I feel like we've been programmed uh, in our culture to live that mindset all the time, no matter where you live at. Go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Never slow down. Never stop. Never give yourself a chance to breathe. And it's all about the business. It's all about working. It's all about growing and succeeding and, and a monetary uh, you know, physical, I can see the success this person's having kind of way and learning how to slow down and rebalance that and going on that journey for yourself. How have you done that lately? How was what was it like going from New York City's fast paced? Things are open 24 hours a day. There's always something to do. Breaking it down to coming into Ah uh, Pleasant Gap Pennsylvania or State College, Pennsylvania, where you know when school's not in, the population drops down to a third of what it usually is, or maybe even less than that, uh, where people move slower and mm-hmm. um and, and and enjoy their life that way. What was that adjustment like for you, and what have you had to do within that to like make yourself okay with that and what benefits and and what disadvantages come along with it? I'm curious.
1: So the benefits are definitely that that work life balance, being able to have time for yourself, for your family and your friends and be able to actually en- enjoy life. Um the the way that I was able to kind of continue to do as much as I did beforehand but at a more um at, at a way that makes more sense, more organized. Is, is utilizing the staff we have, the delegation and um, and scheduling. Uh, I utilize calendars a lot more often and scheduling time blocks for each day, just managing time a lot better because you have to in order to have that work-life balance. Whereas in New York, because everything was available at, at, at all times, it was kind of less important because you could just go and get it whenever you needed. it. It was less about having to go at a specific time um, so being able to work with my time a lot better has been the biggest breakthrough with the things that 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 I do. Now, as far as the business I'm in, um, people in the area and people going out is what drives the business. I mean, that's that's where the money comes from. That's where the bills get paid. Um, so the way that we've been able to work with that and deal with the changes in population in State College, what is by utilizing various different revenue streams. Um, so we we offer coffee and pastries in in the bakery. I do pop ups, uh, cater- caterings and offsite events, and we also provide special order cakes, which book about a month in advance. And lastly, wholesale, which is the biggest driver of the consistency in um, income. So so we offer wholesale and pastries and desserts and. Cafe items for div, div, different businesses in the area. some grocery store style biz, biz, biz businesses and cafes and restaurants as well. So those are kind of the biggest driver and change that we've seen that we've been able to accomplish and continue with the growth.
0: You know there's so many advantages. I'm fascinated by what you're talking about right now because there are so many advantages to having to figure it out. Right. To be having to figure out that concept of going from somewhere where everything is available all the time and at your fingertips to a place where you have to you have to be resourceful and you've mm-hmm. got to figure that out for yourself. What was that like for you, man? Because did you have somebody kind of coaching you or or, or helping you? In the industry to help you figure that out once you got here. Okay, I can't do the same things that I did in New York the same way. I'm going to have to get resourceful. I'm going to have to get creative. I'm going to have to build relationships. I'm going to have to build the calendar out the way that it needs to be to make this work. How long did that process take? And like, how, like, functionally, how did you do it creatively? How did you do it? Because I think other people, other business owners could really benefit from that.
1: So, Re- realistically it took me a better part of a year um to build the connections to build the the um friend group and the business owner group i have where i'm able to ask questions and get the answers and ask the people for help and that was kind of the big biggest thing is just being okay with asking for help there's a lot of biz 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 business owners young and old that um find it difficult to ask somebody for assistance or be able to delegate things is is especially in their own industry or business um because it is their baby it's it's what they've poured their heart and soul into so i really had to focus on myself um and with the help of my wife who kind of pushed me to ask for help more often um i i did exactly that Um, i got the connections in the area I went around i introduced myself to people i talked to people i just i kind of went door to door for lack of a better term and introduced myself my business kind of what we wanted to do and after our reputation kind of came out we started to get more pop popular with cakes and pastries and everything um the reputation reached the ears of business owners and restaurant owners in state college who wanted to kind of cut back on labor costs and that was kind of our sales pitch by buying our desserts, yes you're paying more for the supplies, but you're not paying a staff member to actually make those items. Um so it 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 kind of it comes back to just the people that you know. Um friends are more val- valuable than 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 enemies and there's plenty of biz, of biz, biz business and clients to go around. There's no need for a cutthroat kind of men- mentality. It's so much easier and more fun to go through it with friends than enemies.
0: Yeah, man, I'm making so many notes here because uh, there's so many principles that are coming up in, in what you're saying, because first of all, I I love the fact that you, you have Tati, right? So you're, Mm -hmm. you're married, you guys work as a team, you guys work together. And the fact that she encouraged you to go out and she, you had the support of your wife to go out and make these connections and to mm-hmm. do things in a brand new way,
1: she keeps uh, me grounded. Um, I'm kind grounded. of the dreamer. She's 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 the rock, the realist.
0: That's the same way in my relationship, also same same exact way. And that that dynamic is so important. That dynamics mm-hmm. everything because as you're dreaming of the big picture, you can really get lost in the details, right? Or or ignoring the details, yeah. <laughs> picturing on the big thing that's going to be happening. Uh, and she can focus on those detailed parts of it and keeping you uh, focused on the day to day kind of stuff to reach that big dream. Man, it's so important. And, and I think that's the that's the sweet spot of a great relationship. And it's obvious that it obviously you guys have one because you work so well together, uh, mm-hmm. but also because of how well you're flourishing, taking something from such a. A big city to a small town, and and the quality with which you guys make the food, the croissants and everything that you make is so high quality, it's so delicious, it's so good, it speaks for itself, right? So th- the fact that you already have that built in is, is a benefit for you that you are making food at the highest quality. But the fact that you're building those relationships. So you said about like asking for help. This is the when I'm working with people in coaching, I'm like, that's the biggest thing. Okay. First of all, to even come to somebody to ask for help takes a certain level of being humble, right? Mm -hmm. I have to humble myself. I don't know what I'm going to be doing here. I need help from somebody else. But it's amazing the reciprocity you build through asking for help, because when you you think it's going to make you like vulnerable and it's going to like uh, shine a bad light on you, no, it actually like endears people to you and it builds those relationships Um, and delegation man, delegation can be so hard. For so many people. We oftentimes, kind of like what we were just talking about a minute ago, wanting to go 100 miles an hour, right? The other part of it is uh, we want to go 100 miles an hour and we want to be able to do it all ourselves. It's completely unrealistic to be able to yep. get everything done yourself. To learn how to delegate and build those relationships is everything. You saying that friends are more valuable, uh, collaborations are more valuable, that's the sweet spot uh, for for anything, not just for business. Because With this podcast, I like to talk about business, but it's about life also. It's like, what are these? Because everything that works in business is also what works in life. And if you can figure those two out, man, then your business is going to take off because your life is taking off because you have a, a good balance, a good life-work balance, and you have good relationships that also mm-hmm. match uh, the customers and the clientele that you work with. So for yourself, how has your mindset changed over the past couple of years, going from NYC to State College, PA, launching Cake Shop by Tati? Your mindset on slowing down, your mindset on delegating, asking for help—how has that trickled into your personal life and actually helped you out personally?
1: Um, I used to be stressed easily. Uh, you, you used to have a fairly short fuse, um, not not necessarily with with anger, but more with fru- with frust- frust- frustration. Um, so by slowing down and consciously thinking of it, I've been able to kind of just cool off, take things slow. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. if Things don't go right. It's all about how, how you respond to it. Mm. Now I still have my moments. It's who I am. Um, it's, it stems from that fine dining industry where there's somebody always breathing down your neck, whispering in your ear telling you you're not good enough and so you're always trying to like strive for more do better work quicker um so so by slowing down it and frankly just it relieved a lot of stress the organization of my life relieved a lot of stress and allowed me to um just enjoy life enjoy the people i'm around enjoy the little things like gardening at home or just having a conversation with the regular that comes in who i see every every single week um it it yeah it's 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 allowed me to be more level headed and more caring and understanding
0: amazing i love that that's probably helped out with your marriage helped out with your Absolutely. friendships like helped out everywhere hi my name is jose escobar and i'm the founder and ceo of the connected leaders academy we're a growing tribe a community of entrepreneurs all over the world globally, all across the country, high performers, titans of industry. If you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to grow personally and professionally, scale your influence, develop your skill sets, move the needle in your business, more clients, more money, more profit, the bottom line, and of course grow your circle and your network like never before, this is where you want to be. Join the Connected Leaders Academy today. We are scaling massively. We want to welcome you in. Check me out on Instagram and on Facebook, the at symbol, JASCO25. We look forward to having you
1: join us. Take care.
0: So important because oftentimes too, you know, when we bring people into our business, you have a number of employees at your business. Those relationships can get pushed by the wayside when you're moving too fast. So Mm -hmm. what has that been like for you? Have you seen, I know you didn't have employees when you were working in New York City, but you worked with a lot of people Mm -hmm. compared to what's going on now. How has your relationship with the people that you work with changed? I'm asking this question for people who own businesses who a a lot of times it's really hard for people to find employees, find good employees, to find them, to hire them, and to retain them. Uh, And when you get better, when you build a better relationship with you, you can build a re- better relationship with other people has that changed for you as far as like the people that you work with
1: abs 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 absolutely in new york the relationships the friendships they typically just just transcend directly with work meaning your friends at work you will text outside of work but you won't really meet up or hang out you might go out for a drink af- after the shift or something along those 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 lines but because everything in New York is based around your job and what you do, a lot of that time spent with them is hard to transcend in a real world. Um, whereas here, because everything's a bit slower, you kind of get to know the person on a deeper level. You understand your employees a bit more. Um, you hang out with them outside of work a little bit more, doing various other things. Like We have some some employees we go on hikes with or go to fairs with or whatever. And it just it it allows you to understand them kind of more on a friendship level and less directly cor cor, cor- correlated with with work. Which
0: which environment do you prefer, here or uh, in in Pleasant Gap, PA, or in New York City?
1: I'm growing to appreciate the one here a lot more, um, just because as I'm getting older, I'm more family family oriented, and that's what my mindset is. That's 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 where it's shifting. Um, but for the first year and a half, almost two years of being back, um, I, I I longed for the the speed, the stress that I was used to in New York. Mm. Um, and I do get that on occasion, whenever I do certain pop-ups or offsite events, depending on what sort of style I'm looking for and going for. And so I get to I, I get to scratch that itch on on occasion. But it was unsustainable, um, and I realize that now. Uh, it's, it's not good for the long run for your mental health, your f- physical health, you know, eating one meal a day at 11 o'clock at night. And it happens to just be a peanut butter and jelly. Cause that's the time you got home and that's all you had time for. And all you re- really care to make, um, it's, it's, not healthy. So now I'm able to cook to dinners every night and kind of just slow down. It, 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 it really, it's more apparent now that that's what my body wanted. That's what I wanted. That's what my family wants. That's what's better for me.
0: It's amazing that you worked at one of the top restaurants in New York City, yet you were eating once a day at 11 o'clock at night and having a peanut butter sandwich.
1: Yeah, it's almost expected. I mean, that's that's kind of the life in fine dining. I mean, a lot of people will go home and cook for themselves on days off. But on the days they work, they're working a 16-hour day. They don't have time whenever they get home. They get home late at night um n- midnight or one a.m. just depending on trains and then they're up again at ten in the morning heading right back into work. So it's mm. there's not really time for anything extra. You just it's work and eat and throughout the day you're tasting all your sauces and your food and your prep and you can you you get some sustenance from that. So it's not quite as important at the end of the day, but
0: you know, you mentioned about like you sound like you were addicted to the stress in New York. And I yeah. think that's a, a lot of people, not even in New York, just life in general, anywhere. People are addicted to being stressed out. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they you need it as like the fuel to keep you going. Is that how yeah. it was for you? It was like a like that because that stress is exciting. Right. And it makes you feel important. It makes it makes you feel alive, I guess maybe you could say. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, not it necessary. What's that been like?
1: So it's it's um almost like an adrenaline junk junkie, right? The same reason that somebody will jump out of a plane to go sky skydiving is the same reason that I want to go into a busy service where we're in the weeds, um, too too busy, too many people, stress, and that it's it's the same reason. You finish the day, you feel accomplished, you did it, hurrah! Um, and then it's just back to wood again tomorrow, um, but because it's not happening outside, it's not a 20 minute rush, you know, it's, it's typically three, four hours. Um, it, it wears on you a lot more. Um, and that's why there's a lot of this um, stigma that goes around kitchens with um, drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing. Cause, cause that's what a lot of people turn to,
0: mm-hmm. to
1: kind of relieve that stress or calm down or whatever it may be.
0: What would you say? There's you know, I think the restaurant industry is one of the biggest entrepreneur industries there is right there and, mm-hmm. and coffee shops diners um, um bakeries things like that what do you see um and this isn't like bashing anybody i think it's just it's important somebody who has the experience that you have the expertise that you has, have have mm-hmm. the quality of food that you make what would you say to people who are starting a restaurant starting a bakery running a coffee shop whatever it might be um, and they're struggling. Maybe it's not working as well as they want it to. I'm sure you can see the the faults pretty easily because yeah. you've been working in this and you're you're really good at it. What do you see commonly as the major issues?
1: Um, number one is the lack of delegation and trust in employees. It takes time to build that trust, but in order to or whenever you do that, you're able to focus more on working for the business. Than on the or sorry working on the business than for the business, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite important in 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 terms of growth. And there's a lot of people, especially in restaurants, that are trying so hard to cater to what the client wants. Now that's important. That's it's important to keep that 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 in mind with with what's going to sell. But if you don't have a passion for it, it shows. It's mm-hmm. mediocre. It's not good good enough. It's not going to be. You, you have to have a passion for what you're doing and that transcends to the customer. Um, if if they can see that you're excited about it and passionate about it, then they will continue to come back. They they will take a risk on trying it more often. Um, it's, it's evident in the food you cook on whether or, or not there's love and passion involved.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you definitely put, and that's, that's, you know, something you'd always hear about, like, you know, grandma's cooking, there was so much love in her cooking, you know, like that sort of thing, like, with certain people, they they cook for your family or whatever it might be. And you could tell there was like a love for what they did. And um, yeah. there's so many restaurants out there, I, I would think people have a love for the restaurant that they run, but it probably gets lost in the day to day job. Right. The job becomes the more important thing and the quality of what they're doing falls behind. How do you keep So how do you keep the quality as the number one thing? How do you keep your passion up? Because a lot of people say, I don't want to make my hobby my job Mm -hmm. because then I'll hate my hobby. But it seems like you figure that out pretty well. Is there a, a formula for you for that that's made that work?
1: Actually, a natural form form formula of course it's important to make money um it's it's the basis of everything that's why some somebody goes to start a business that is the baseline of it now granted you should love what you do that is very important but when whenever it comes to restaurant and food industry food cost is super important not skipping on that step on discovering the food cost or calculating out the food cost um kind of having an idea of the ingredient cost and what you should be selling it for so, a food cost or a dish of any kind should cost the restaurant about 20% of the sale price. Um, so, if I'm selling something for 20, 20, for let's say $100, right? The food cost of whatever that is should be no more than $20 because you can expect about uh, 40 to 50 dollars worth of payroll cost plus another 15 to 20 dollars worth of electricity or utilities or whatever so the margins for restaurants and food industry is extremely small which is why the many many people will look for high volume um, so understanding food cost and what it's going to take but it really it really comes down as being passionate about it because people will connect with an owner or an idea or a concept. And that's re- re- really what gets them in the door and gets them to come back.
0: I oh, yeah, mean, it's so important not to sell yourself short on what you do, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not charging enough for what you do and and what you deserve, you're going to, it's it's going to burn you out and it's going to affect you.
1: That's sh- yes, but that shouldn't be the basis of why you're doing anything. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a really fine line of making sure you're making money and charging what you should be um, versus, just trying to get some somebody in the front door just trying to sell that product and you're selling it for less than what you should because at that point you're losing money on selling the product you're better off just doing a smaller batch selling it at the right price the price that you're going to make the money on um because i mean you you have to pay the bills you see so so many places which go out of business and that's because they're trying to they're they're selling themselves short they're trying to price things out where they're going to sell more of them because it's cheaper. But because it's cheaper, they're losing money on every dish. And it's it's kind of a whole rabbit hole that they go down.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, one last question I want to ask, because I think this is really important. You said about trusting your employees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you do to train your employees? What do you do to vet your employees when you go through the interview process? How do you know you can trust them? This is, I mean, this is the biggest, this is what I talk to when I'm doing coaching. It's always about finding, hiring, retaining high quality employees, being able to trust them with delegation and things like that. How do you build that into your system? How have you found the right people?
1: Uh, Tati and I both are confident in our skills and our and in our ob, 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 ob ability to train our employees. Um, so that being said, whenever we do make a hire, their experience is not at the height of our priority list. We are looking on whether or not they are going to fit in with the company and the other individuals who are already here. We're we're looking more at the person than the skills and the experience they have. Um, those skills can be taught, and that is in regards to the majority of every in- industry, skills can be taught and learned. Um, so if, if, if you buy the person rather than the resume, it ends up working out better in our favor Um, We've been open for two and a half years, and we've only lost six employees. Um, Four of them, actually soon to be five, is going to be because they're going to college. So we've only had one employee actually leave for benefit of whatever they need to do. Um, It's going to be two here because another one, um, she has a younger daughter. She got a job with benefits, which we can't unfortunately offer, and a job in a school district as well. So she'll be able to like teach her kid in the future and everything. But um, our, our retention is quite high because we we look to hire the person rather than what they know. Now, whenever we do go and train them, we train them with a wide spectrum of the things that we do, whether it's desserts or croissants or barista or whatever it may be. We teach them every, every single as aspect of what we do and we find out what they're passionate about, what their eyes light up with. And we end up having them hone in and focus on that project. Um, that ends up being their specialty or their niche in the industry and for what we do. And because it's what they thoroughly enjoy, they tend to learn more about it. Um, they tend to strive to do better. Um, and and we like to feed that curiosity and drive. And it uh, works out good for us as well, really.
0: Man, that is such that is it. Like, that's that's it. The things you said right there are it. That's how you find good employees. Mm -hmm. You can't teach attitude, right? But you can teach skills. So if somebody doesn't know what to do, you can teach them what to do. You can't teach them to have a better attitude, right? (laughs) That's something they have to figure out on their own. And when Mm -hmm. you're positioning them in a place where they're utilizing their strengths – they're going to do better. They're they're going to excel and they're actually going to like their job more. So they're going to be a better employee. So you're going to get more out of them and they're going to be satisfied. Like those two things, when we talk, talk about hiring people, those are the big things. Mm-hmm. Hire on attitude, not on skills and make sure you're positioning them where they're, str- where they're strong. How do you figure that out? Well, you got to test them in different areas. Exactly. Find out where they excel and then put them there. Dude, I love that. That's, I mean, those are some, those are such fundamental pieces of finding good employees. It's really cool that you guys do that and you've figured that out. This has been an awesome conversation. I, I found a lot of this fascinating for anybody listening. Like, if anybody runs a restaurant or owns a business, like, there's so many principles that we talked about here that are like cornerstones and keynotes. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to have these things down to run a good business. To have things be successful, to not lose your mind, and to yeah. have that good like, work-life balance, man. It's really good stuff. Derek, thank I'm, you. I'm for-
1: more than happy to answer questions on things, too. So so if anybody has, has, has any, they're more than welcome to shoot you an email, and you can connect them to me, or they can reach out directly.
0: And I like that we have uh, your wife's name as the name on this Zoom call so now they know Derek and Tatiana (laughs) and also if you check out the the image for this episode Derek and and Tati are both on that image so you get to see both of them make sure you follow them the link for the uh, shop is going to be in the description here but I want to ask as I do at the end of every episode anybody watching or listening right now taking part in this I'm going to ask you the question that I asked Derek at the beginning how do you take the elements of a big city mindset, which are all the things we talked about in this episode, uh that, that Derek left in New York and came to Pleasant Gap, Pennsylvania with. How do you take that big city mindset and apply it to the small town to make it work? Right. Because you really, that's a that's a powerhouse way of running a business, is taking something from a big city, breaking it down to a small town, and making that work on that level is huge. So I want to ask any business owner that question right now how are you going to do that and if you want to know how to do that reach out to Derek reach out to myself Man, thank you so much for being a part of the unstuck movement great having you here
1: it was my 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 pleasure I appreciate it so so much